Jordan knows he shouldn't eat this entire bowl of nachos, but tonight he's earned that right. Because a few hours ago in the middle of happy hour, he recognized a sign. Not from the gods or a bolt of lightning, but from a double heart, a kissy face, and a fourth ha in ha ha ha. That's when Jordan knew he was buzzed. So when it was time to go, he got a ride home instead of driving. Be a legend like Jordan. Recognize your buzz warning signs and get a ride home. Buzz driving is drunk driving. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Carol Jones Show on Clark TV Network. And I'm your show host, Carol Jones. I have an amazing show today, as usual. And this guest today is, you know, it's someone I've never had before. I've never had this type of guest on my show. And I'm really excited because she's got a wealth of information that she's going to share with everybody. Um, before I introduce my guest, I'd like to go to the throne of grace real quick. So let us go. Most gracious Heavenly Father, Father God, we want to say thank you, God, for allowing us to be here and to see another day, oh God. Father God, we thank you for what you're doing in our lives, what you're about to do in our lives, and the transition that we will take, oh God, with you as we endure and plug into the marvelous works that you have us to do, God. We, you are a great God, you're an awesome God, and we praise you, we adore you, and let the words of my mouth be acceptable in my sight. Um, in your sight, oh God, you are my strength, my redeemer. In your name I pray, amen. 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 So um, you all can see this fabulous person that's on here, but I want to tell you a little bit about her real quick. She is the first black president of the National Employment Lawyers Association and a seven-time recipient of the prestigious Top 40 Under 40 Award. Hmm. Her next big, big move is to set up 10 workers' rights clinics at law schools that are going to be out throughout the whole entire nation by 2033. And she wants to make sure that the rights of people and their roles are um, a place where everything is going to be done correctly and they're prioritized with di diversity and there will be no wrongdoing there. Um, she also runs her law firm that is called the Hall Jackson Associates, PC, one of Chicago's top employment firms, law firms, and she's hosting free monthly webinars, and these are proven strategies to thrive in the workplace. For the next webinar, Navigating a Hostile Workplace Environment. It is scheduled this Thursday, June the 15th at 6 o'clock on Central Station Time. Ladies and gentlemen, the marvelous person I'm talking about, she is Miss Attorney Chiquita Hall. Welcome, Miss Chiquita. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Hey, awesome, awesome to have you on the show today. You've got a lot of great things that you're doing and you're working on. Um, give me a little bit about why you are doing what you're doing um, and how you receive the accolades that you have in the law firm. Thank you. Thanks again for having me. Um, pretty much, I have, <laughs> I'm out here and the reason why I'm out here is because um, for several reasons. One, it started off I started off with a general law practice and I noticed that uh, my passion and what I got excited about was cases that was helping workers. And ultimately I resonated with those workers because I too have faced some kind of bias within the workplace mm -hmm. as an African-American woman. Um, and I understand when you're trying to do your best, you're just trying to yeah. <laughs> uh, matriculate and you're doing all that you can do. And just certain people just have biases before they even met you, before they even seen your work. Um, and even with you proving yourself over and over again, it's just those biases doesn't go away. And so that was one thing. But as I continued to have different cases, I noticed that a lot of my clients were um, mentally drained. Mm. Um, some tried to commit suicide. Mm. Some have checked themselves into mental institutions for wow. an of 14 days. Um, some have lost marriages. Um, broken down family relationships all due to the workplace environment which has took control on them and it trickled down to their family dynamic and ultimately we'll see verdicts, we'll see settlements but unfortunately we was doing very little to help the worker outside of that check 
because this all was was a check. Um, so what happens to them after the check? Some of them can't find jobs for years at a time. Some of them, like I said, have lost everything. They're in debt to their mortgager and all other type of stuff. So I was like, what can we do to kind of um, disrupt what is the we know is the norm of corporate and what we know is the norm of these workplaces to let them know that a check is not enough. Um, and so with that, I came up with Blow the Whistle Law, which allows um, is an advocacy and a movement to asking co-workers and those in the workplace to speak up and speak out as you see these things and don't allow the work culture to um, continue to be what we know is the norm. And maybe if we do that, we'll have more people that can thrive in a workplace. Wow. That's pretty awesome. And what you're saying is very viable and very true. Um, I remember um, I bought some things to light when I was working for the city um, in Colorado. And when I bought out some things that I was dealing with, some sexual harassment stuff, um, and, and it was because, you know, I'm I'm a black female. You know, there's not a lot of blacks in um, Colorado area that I was in. And when I bought out the fact that I was being discriminated against, I was receiving sexual harassment, I got pushed back by my own people saying, what are you doing? You're messing this up for everybody. I'm going, what? Yeah. And so it kind of put me in a shell. When I went to the EEOC, it was like, um, you need to drop this. I'm like, what? I'm supposed to accept that behavior. And it was like, I was, I wasn't emotionally in tears so much. I just, I gave up, I threw in the towel and I quit. So what you're doing is really, really much needed. And gosh, I'm sure appreciated by so many people because we're in a shell, you know, we don't know what to do. And here you are coming along saying, I'm going to be a voice for you. We're not going to tolerate this this bull that's going on with you, this crazy garbage that you're being mistreated with. And so the webinars, tell me what's going on with these webinars. So each month um, I felt the need to go out. I felt the need to educate our people because the situation is what you just described, where it's only, like you said, a handful of us in Colorado. <laughs> and so you can only imagine within each workplace how you probably won't see some in this workplace, but going to be right. probably one of two or one of 10 um, in a particular workplace. And as a result of that, of course, people, you're going to halt us from getting black people in the door. You're going to mess up my promotion. You're going to do this. So just leave yeah. it in the rug. And unfortunately, those that do have the willpower and have the strength to say, okay, I'm just going to go ahead and endure this and push through, a lot of them are representing themselves. And unfortunately, even with the attorney representation, a lot of people um, are calling, get consultations. And mm -hmm. what they're, what I'm finding is that a lot of them is misinformed as what is deemed harassment, what is deemed as retaliation, what is um, discrimination. And so just trying to educate people so they can save that, you know, face. If I want to do it, let's do it right. Because what happens, um, and if you go federally in the Northern District up here in Illinois and across any federal court, the defendants have a right, just like a plaintiff have a right to ask that you cover their costs in the event they're the one who prevailed. So I have a lot of clients or I know of people who would go through their route, they are matriculated and their case is dismissed on motion for summary judgment, which is the last motion that a defendant, either party can file before the trial. And with that, um, you lose that sometimes. And if you lose that, now the defendant is now asking you to pay their costs. And a lot of things the attorney just found is not appealable, so we're not gonna appeal. Um, and so with that, not only did you just lose that case, so now you got the embarrassment, humiliation, and also the losing side. And then you also now have to come in and pay your employer's costs. Like, who wants that? And, you know, as much as attorneys try to educate and warn people of this, like, this might be the best time to settle. This might be the best time to tap out. A lot of people just don't take that. Um, and as a result, they end up paying back their employer. And all you're doing is empowering the employer who did something wrong to you to begin with versus taking and understanding what your attorney is telling you or whoever. Um, so I wanted to go out there and educate people. So prior to them spending thousands of dollars trying to get um, one, ex, um, excuse me, get this information from attorneys or navigating this system by themselves. Yeah, it, it's really, what you're saying is very viable, valuable information that is a necessity. Um, I remember I had a case where 
I was another sexual harassment case um, and with a big corporation, but it was a black corporation. And my harassment was with a female boss. And there was a language that I didn't quite understand. What was it called? Um, Swingers. Never heard of it in my life. Mm. And it was going on in the workforce for like five years before I started. And I said, no, I ain't doing that. What are you talking about? You know, and then I found out that all the staff was engaged in it. Or they were going to lose their job. And I went toe to toe against them. And, you know, what he did was offer me a check. Mm-hmm. Like he had been offering everybody else that bought it to his attention. What was going on? How much do I owe you? And I'm like, no. No, 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 no. You're not going to buy me off and pay me off. It, it wasn't about the money. And it was like, I have a staff of people working in this office that are being harassed and have children to take care of. And, and they're indulging in this relationship stuff just to keep a job. Mm-hmm. And I will not allow that to continue. You will deal with this case. And of course, we took it to court. I think it was the Supreme Court or whatever it was. And um, I didn't win. But in one aspect, I did because it changed everything. Um, The company ended up changing policies and procedures, giving people awareness on harassment. Um, The lady, I demanded that she be terminated, which he was refusing to do. And I later found out he said he did. But then when we were in mediation, I found out that she wasn't terminated, just waiting for me to settle the case. And, And all that was going on. And I thought wow, you actually kept her on payroll until we settled this case. I'm not going to let you get away with that. I, because as soon as we settle this case, she's still working for the company. I was I was emotionally devastated. And I'm looking at the staff that was under me. There was like six or seven of us. And I got, and they were crying. They would call me saying, Carol, we can't do this anymore. She's harassing us every day. And ever since you, you bought this to action, she's really honest. I'm going, you know, it was a lot of pressure on me. And, and honestly, he offered me a good amount of money. And I thought about it and I said, no, no. It was but, easy to take the money and move and leave. But then you got other people that are not going to fight the fight. So mm-hmm. I'm glad you brought that up, um, if you don't mind. Um, that's that's common. And, you know, I have yet to hit a swinging part, but that's common <laughs> for people to have these environments. And unfortunately, sexual harassment is one that's very prevalent where you have to, a lot of people feel like they have to engage in um, sexual conduct with their employer, with their immediate supervisor or boss, just so they can keep a roof over their head and maintain mm-hmm. their status quo. But unfortunately, you, what you're doing is, like you said, now you're creating this monster where mm-hmm. everybody five or six employees and everyone that came in there um and so the best part i did like about it was that you was able to talk about um the idea that it changed the culture and i tell people yeah. sometimes that's the win in itself the money right. is great but you can always right. get that money because believe they're not offering you anything that that's worthwhile nine right. times out of ten that's right. something that you can make in your lifetime um, but the idea that you was able to disrupt that culture and now they're requiring training and I'm pretty sure more people feel encouraged to speak out mm-hmm. or they got the strength enough to leave and know that this is not how you should be treated and it's not a requirement in order to have a livelihood. So that's great. Kudos to you on that. Yeah. It, I mean, it, it's a tough battle to fight this type of stuff. And then it's even more tough when you have your own people saying, no, don't do this. You're messing up our career. You're messing us up. And, you know, I said, you guys sleep your way to the top. Are you yeah. serious? That's crazy. It is super crazy. And so you're making a difference in your, is this really a prevalent thing? These type of cases um, in Chicago? Um, yes. And ironically, uh, we did some research and the higher numbers, of course, are in the Southern states. Mm-hmm. Um, and when that comes to more so discrimination, I'll say sexual harassment can be across the board, but every state have a, a employee, employee, several employment law attorneys fighting on behalf of workers because it's happening everywhere to everyone. Mm-hmm. And it's just about the right people or anyone having the strength and courage to come forward and actually fight it. Because a lot of people just live through it. Yeah. I and say I'm I'm this close to retirement. I can get my pension, and I don't have to right. deal with these people anymore. So some people right. just push through it. 
Yeah. But, you know, sometimes you're you're pushing through it, you're sacrificing, you're accepting it, but the behavior, it's not going to change for somebody else. If you don't stand for it to change the environment, so many people are hurt. And, mm -hmm. I, and I thought, gosh, if somebody would speak up, this would never happen to me. Yeah. Um, it, it's sad when it's our own people, you know, that accept this behavior and expect you to accept the behavior. And get, and, a, and get that attitude with you and get upset with yeah. you. And now you're probably isolated from all the events and anything in the workplace. Yeah. But no, the main thing, in addition to what I said earlier, so what made me do this, I um just, I have a three-year-old and it's a girl. Mm -hmm. And just like, if I don't want my child to have to go through this, if her credentials allow her to qualify for a position, I want her to be able to do it. And I want her to be able to do it without having to, like you said, sleep her way to the top um, and not also be uh, have a bias against her on an application because of who she is or during the interview process. Right. Um, and so, like, we have to disrupt it now. So by the time she's in the job um, market, that these are not the same issues that she will see, hopefully, um, moving exactly. forward. Exactly, exactly. Um, with you um, being in charge of your association, um, and this is something, what does it mean, the, the top 40 under 40? Sure. So there's this um, organization called the National Black Lawyers, um, and it's just different lawyers that's African-American, Black, whatever you consider yourself, um, throughout the United States that get invited to um these particular, it's like an organization. And then based on it, they have 40 under 40 if you're under the age of 40. And oh. then they have any, once you hit the age of 40 and beyond, um, they just have the top 100. Okay. Um, okay. And it's just different trial lawyers and attorneys that have done something worthwhile that a colleague nominated them. And what it is is that had a colleague nominate me it had to be 2016 or something like that, 2015, I can't recall. And I've been invited back every year since. And unfortunately, this is me by last year out of 40. Oh, wow. <laughs> so you want to set up these law schools. Um, is it going to be a struggle to be a lawyer? I mean, it's tough being Black already and the challenges of being a minority and a female. <laughs> It is so tough. I mean, you've got two things against you. You're a female and you're black and your wages are less than the average thing, average man. So all these strikes against you. Um, how do you encourage a female to be in law and what would you suggest? So, yeah, um, I definitely believe females, we need more. Um, and luckily, I'm seeing it across the board. I actually serve as an adjunct professor, and they have announced, and most law schools announced that they're seeing more female enrollments. And I don't know if it's purposely um, admission-wise, are they letting more females in, or it's just more females applying. Um, but definitely, we need someone who can look like us, that can represent us. And that, that goes in all arenas, um, criminal court family law court, people that understand our situations and not judging us, um, you know, from a different lens that they have not experienced or lived through. Right. So we definitely need those individuals. So more females for sure and more African-Americans. Um, and then as far as the law clinics, um, I don't think it's necessarily hard to become an attorney with the purpose of the law clinics is because all law school has clinics. It's just that most of them focus on family law, criminal law um, and other areas of law, but very, it's rare. It's only one school I'm aware of that actually have a workers' right clinic that advocates on behalf of workers out of the 50 plus law schools around the United States. Wow. Um, and I just think overall, this is an underserved market um, where we need more people. And I think the issue is because I know for me, I was not exposed to the employment law. Um, while in law school, I didn't even know possibly that this side of the V exists. I knew about labor as far as um, unions and, you know, sometimes people sue their unions and things like that. But I didn't know too much about uh, the EEOC process and people mm -hmm. navigating and fighting and protecting the rights of workers. And I think if more students get exposed to it, it's a rewarding job. Um, mm -hmm. You're fighting on behalf of workers. You're trying to make a difference. And you ultimately are being a change agent. So I think more students should be exposed to this. And so that's the main purpose of it. Um, but we definitely encourage everyone to um, apply if that's what you feel like you're, you're called to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. How long does it take to complete law school? 
three years. Um, that's the full time. If you're a full time student, it's three years. Um, if you take the night classes, some people get it done three and a half, but the average is four years. Mm, okay, so you get your four year degree, then you go to law school for three to seven years. years of mm -hmm. post, uh, what's it called post secondary education. Ah, okay, okay. So when you take law school, it doesn't you have to do by the state getting your credentials taking the board per state, right? Correct. So you can go to any law school, um, but you have to take the state bar um, to get to allow to now be a practicing attorney within that state, but they now have a multi-state bar where you take one exam and if your score is high enough, you can now go um, get waived in into different states, but it's a matter of how many states you want to pay annual fees to, to maintain your uh, license. Wow. But that didn't so, happen until probably at least the last three, five, between three to five years ago. So in my years, uh, and I came out 2013, we didn't have that option. It's pretty much if I wanted to get in Michigan, I wanted to get bar in Michigan, I think I go sit for a Michigan exam. I did an Illinois exam and different things like that. Wow. That you always have to take that what is an LSAT before Correct. and that's a, I've heard it's very challenging to do well. <laughs> I took the LSAT a minimum four times. And got a score high enough to get into um, Southern University Law Center in Baton Rouge um, in 2010. I took it probably in 09 and started 2010 or something like that. Um, but yeah, it is very challenging. It's not something that is common. Um, that's something most that you can teach in any grade level is definitely something where you'll need a course, uh, a prep course for it to kind of study on. Right. But the end results are fulfilling. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's pretty cool. I think what's awesome is, is that you wanting to help other lawyers to focus on an area that most, you know, don't even touch and don't even because they don't see that it's profitable. Is this type of thing profitable? Uh, great question. And that's exactly the mindset of certain people that do and are aware of this side um, in this practice area that is not um and I'm going to say, yes, it is. I have had um, colleagues, um, the guy who just sued Tesla, he had over $100,000 and, you know, $100 million uh, that he received. So there's some great verdicts out there. Um, of course, you got the, you run against the wall of if the employer can't pay it. Now they file bankruptcy and things like that. But I think what the issue is, honestly, if you're aware of it and you tried to come over here, a lot of clients just don't know, one, when to tap out. You know, if someone's offering your settlement and like in your situation, like you said, it was more than the money. I want the principal and but it changed something, right? So if there's mm -hmm. as long as there's gonna be some kind of change in the and along the way, then it's worthwhile. But right. to just continue to say, No, I want three point five million, you know, it's not a principal driven thing, it's a money driven thing. Right. Um that kind of deter people because of my if I didn't charge you anything up front to get started with your case and my livelihood is depending on whether or not you settle this case right then just imagine 10 of those clients a year i'm not eating you know i'm not taking care yeah. this is this is my career this is my profession right. Right. And this is my bread and butter and if i got 10 clients on my roster who is saying no i want to see 1.5 million i want to see 2.5 million and your wages don't <laughs> so yeah, and people got to understand that you're pretty much fighting for the difference in wages. If you got fired or you have uh, constructive discharge, aka right. meaning you felt that you had no choice but to resign and leave because it was just too toxic and abusive in that workplace, then you got to realize I'm looking at my annual salary times the amount of time I've been out of work. And then, of course, you can inflate it with some pain and suffering. But in most situations, those don't amount to multi-million dollars. A jury can find that your emotional distress is worth that while. A judge can find it. But in the in realms of settlement, you rarely see something like that. And mm -hmm. um, so that's one thing that, that a lot of people just, even they start off on this side, helping out workers. After a while, they're like, I have to eat. I have so many right, posts right, right, right. I feel for you because I used to do that work and that's why I'm over here because right. I have a family to take care. I got to send my kids to school like you got to send your kids to school and things like that, pay my mortgage. And if I'm waiting to on clients to decide whether they want to resolve this matter or not and the right. length of litigation, 
So if you want to pursue it, now you're talking about two or three years average, um, not to mention the EEOC process that's going to take about another year or two. Right. Um, another reason why people don't want to do it is just, um, once again, they just don't know about it. If yeah. you know about it, another reason is that um, it's most of us that do fight on, have, on behalf of workers, it is a solo type thing. You got a solopreneur um, or a small firm, and, and in most situations, the wages may not match what a big firm would pay if you was defending a corporation. Because they're over there charging a the corporation about <laughs> 550 minimum an hour um, mm -hmm. just to pick up the phone and talk and different things like that. And so they have the billable hours to go ahead and give offer you a six-figure salary out the door. So you got stuff mm -hmm. like that. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That's um, interesting facts that you share. Um, when you were in law school, is this one of your main areas that you focused on was the workforce? Honestly, no. I did mediation. Uh, I did the mediation clinic while I was in law school. Like I said, I wasn't exposed to it because there was no clinic that fought on behalf of workers. I might, I think EEOC statements on applications and if you go into different restaurants and wherever, you might see everybody You have a right not to be discriminated against and you know, heard of the EEOC, but I was not exposed to this side at all. Um, it just happened that I had a colleague who went to law school, I mean, to undergrad with. Her dad was um, navigating OSHA. Oh. Uh, the, the, um, the agency that regulates right. the safety guidelines of workplaces. Right. And he was able to get himself a hearing, a.k.a. all the way up to the trial. And she said, he cannot go to trial by himself. Can you assist my dad? So I helped him. And then I had a colleague, her aunt was being sexually harassed at work to the point where she wanted to cut her face. And she was checked into a 14-day facility because she just felt like if I didn't look pretty anymore, they wouldn't harass me. And as a result of that, I'm like, this is where I need to be. And I uh, continued. But yeah, other than that, I did not get that exposure to post-law um, school. Wow. So it was your personal experience with seeing the hurt and the harm that others suffered because of the workforce that focused you to say, I'm going to make a difference. Correct. Yeah, that's pretty cool. You, you're, so your goal is that you want to set up 10 workers' rights clinics at law schools? Explain that. So, yeah, just going back to um, how I was in the mediation clinic. So, like I said, most law schools have, some might have mediation, uh, but most of them definitely don't have a family law and a criminal clinic. And so I wanted to, um, well, I want to go in and have law schools have uh, workers' rights clinics, where pretty much the students will serve as the, I don't know if you guys remember how to get away with murder, mm -hmm. that Viola had. Um, yeah. Yeah. She had those students, like her little mini-me's, and she right. trained them up. So something right. similar like that where the law students will pretty much um, serve as many lawyers, and but yet they'll have the supervision of an actual um, licensed attorney running the clinic and educating mm -hmm. them, and they'll just be able to get some experience, like an internship while in law school, and get to um, deal with actual cases interview and deal with actual clients that have live cases, either at the administrative agency, aka the EEOC, or an actual court in their city or state. Cool. So the law firm Holland Jackson is actually your firm? Yes. Ah, pretty cool. That's awesome. <laughs> that is pretty Thank amazing. And, and it's really cool because you're a Black female and you've, you have, um, you have withstood a lot of the, the challenges of being a black female as a lawyer. And you ain't old, girl. That's pretty cool. <laughs> Thank you. I know. That's really, really awesome. So how often do you do these webinars? So the webinars are monthly. Um, again, I try to do one monthly. Started. I just started those in February or March of this year. And I've been trying to just do one monthly for now. Okay. Um, have you found them to be successful and a lot of people wanting to tune in? The crazy part is a lot of people that want to tune in. It's a lot of people that sign up and register because I have run some Facebook ads um, and people will show up and people, as I discussed with you, is needed. It's very much important. They all have experience. Um, but, I, you know, a lot of people are also great testimonials. They're learning from it, but I just need a higher reach of more people to know that right, it's out right. there. Mm -hmm. more broad okay yes so now that we are on a broader spectrum and you doing this webinar that you have coming up um 
it's at six o'clock and it's on Central Standard Time. So well, that's, I don't know if you guys can edit this, but that okay. was June fifteenth. The next one okay. I'll have is for a parent for discrimination claim. The top five essential steps, and that one will be July sixteenth. Okay, July sixteenth. Right. If I'm not mistaken, okay. or Thursday. All right. So <laughs> July sixteenth will be your next webinar. And how do they log into that? Um, so how you can register with that one is live with chj.org and that's live with chj. No, strike that. It's live with chj.com, live with chj.com. And again, that's going to be Sunday, July 16th, uh, more than likely at 3 p.m. Central Standard Time. Okay, cool, cool, cool. That's pretty awesome. Um, I will have the network put that on there so we can kind of blast that. And let everybody know the next one is in July. Um, and what was that topic again that you're covering? Sure. Preparing for discrimination claim, the top five essential steps. So when you are preparing for a claim, what would you recommend? As far as preparing for a claim, like I said, a lot of people decide to do pro se. If nothing else, they start off the EEOC by themselves. And so definitely you want to, one, confirm the action be able to define the action that's the number one issue i have people call me and they'll say i've been harassed i've been retaliated right. i have been what is the action but she just keep harassing me well <laughs> <laughs> and it's like you're talking to your child and you can't okay so tell mommy what exactly did happen and so did she hit you did she yeah. you know pretty much did she Monitor your emails more than she monitor the next person. And then the next thing you really need to realize that you actually need someone to compare yourself to, especially if you bring discrimination claim. Because um, mm -hmm. you're saying that someone was treated more better than you or you mm -hmm. was treated unfair and it wasn't on an equal spectrum. So with that, you need to be able to compare yourself to someone that does not look like you, whether that's your gender, your sexual orientation, your race, uh, age, whatever. If it's, uh, if you 40 above, <laughs> the EEOC consider you now an elder and yeah. you can be subjected to age discrimination. But mm. once you compare yourself to someone, they can't be the same age as you. That Now, you can be over 40, um, but significantly, they have to be significantly younger. And, you know, a lot of times you don't have that. It might be well, I had a lot of times my supervisor, we're both in our 50s and something like that. Uh, but yes, I feel like I'm being treated wrongly or differently because of my age. <laughs> and so things <laughs> like that. Um, another thing, you definitely need to have some witnesses. Someone had to witness. If you don't have witnesses, do you have evidence? Right, People right. People don't realize that they, uh, you got to have a screenshot, an email, uh, something right. because yeah. other than that technically is your word against the employer and what people fail to realize that just like you described earlier you're going to have about 10 people that's trying to save their job so they're willing to yeah. do whatever the employer wants them to do and if that right. means to say that they didn't they didn't suffer the way you suffered mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. they didn't get the favorable treatment as you whatever they wasn't present during this alleged conversation um or wrongful act Things like that. So you got to have your witnesses and your evidence lined up. And then um, I'll say the next thing, you definitely want to be clear on your damages. Is it worthwhile before you decide to sue? What exactly mm -hmm. are you looking for? Because I get so many people that's looking for $150,000 or more, but again, you don't have the damages to back that up. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. you, you're getting a chance to go into mediations and um, settlement conferences before the judge. And you got a neutral party that willing to assist you uh, but you're getting offered a reasonable more than above that you would get over these next three months that you stayed in the workplace, um, but you're denying the money. And I, like I said, it, but it's also with the idea I'm only moving because I, I have some people say, I need to pay my mortgage. Since I lost my job, I'm behind on my mortgage. Ma'am, if you had the job, yeah. if you would have still been using that same salary to pay your mortgage. So that's how they're looking at it. They're not looking as a defense attorney and as a, a corporation um, owner, they're not looking at the idea that now you're three or a year month, three years, three months behind on your mortgage. So pay my past due mortgage and pay me what you owe me. No, because their position is you had you kept this job, you wasn't wrongfully terminated, aka allegedly wrongfully terminated, or if you did not suffer discrimination, that you would have 
pretty much sustained the same position, same salary, and been able to take care of your expenses then. So just different things like that, because so many people too, then they go, well, if I would know that I was only going to get this, I wouldn't even waste my time suing. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a lot. Uh, but I think those are the top steps that you guys need to consider. And uh, um, definitely come register live with CHJ.com and come learn and ask your questions. Yes, yes, yes. Well, you know what, Mr. Kata, I appreciate you being the guest on my show today. You have a wealth of information and you got so much to offer, you know, not only the law firm, but the, the clients. And we need to tune in to what's going on and we need to not run away from our issues and, and deal with them and hit them face to face. And with you encouraging the lawyers to to handle these type of workforce um, diversity confusion and these claims it encourages the people to speak out and Please. to get help yeah Please. because honestly your impression is there's no help out there nobody's going to listen to me nobody really cares and you endure it every single day like you said it causes you to go into a depression even suicidal wanting to hurt yourself because it's so bad when when those type of things are happening, those are added to the case when it comes to compensation, correct? The duress of yes. what you go through. Yeah. I would and can I say this just at yeah. this point? Um, what us as attorneys do when we're trying to argue and fight on your behalf and try to convince the defendants to give you a certain dollar amount and why they should settle this or resolve this type of case, or even for jury purposes. We're looking at past jury verdicts. We're looking at past... Um, court you know settlement if someone settled and it's over a hundred thousand dollars that can still be considered public and so with that um we if you got a whole bunch if we don't have anything recent because everybody lost their case or it's everybody settled over a hundred under we're we're relying on case law from five years ago whatever situation may be especially these multi-million dollar ones and you know like (laughs) <laughs> that doesn't help us as attorneys. Right. And so we need to see more victory on this side. And that's just yeah. putting the people with the right education because the, believe me, I know it's happening. Um, a lot of people just don't come forward. They prefer to just leave or endure it until they have a right exit plan. But that exit plan can be a severance while you're in the waiting room, aka while you're waiting on the next position. Amen. Exactly. Exactly. And, and those... Though, like you said, those cases help other people's cases. Don't just accept this garbage and taking the money and running because, golly, we got to have some case studies to support this. And, and it you. makes your heart troubling. That's that's hard. And yeah. But there is help out there. And you are the kind of person that does help those that don't even know what to do and they're lost for direction. And one thing I was saying, I used to work for Department of Labor. And I did, I was working the welfare to work program when um, the president said you can't be on welfare anymore for five years. And so that's the program I worked with Department of Labor. And I was understanding that you need to track the history of what's happening to you. Write down everything as a journal, validated with names and times. Is that not correct? That is very much um, names, date, location, witnesses who's around and please that's my number that's another like look i always get people i don't remember her name she was a blonde hair she was this <laughs> write it down in a moment take a picture of the id badge or something because yes when the attorney goes to subpoena we can get employment records uh, and employees personnel files we can get those people to come in and testify in a deposition or a trial but if all you got is oh it was a blind hair older lady she was a redhead she was this that doesn't help us and of course that means we can't subpoena those items or those people to come up and speak and a lot yeah. of people leave transition jobs and so they're no longer there so of course the company's not going to voluntarily tell us you know there's strategic ways to try to get things but then even if i get a roster of people that was employed there during this particular time if you don't recall the name if i show you a list of 20 names and say okay all these people was employed around this day you talk about who was it you think you were talking they don't know so you gotta like you said these notebooks you have a lovely app on your cell phones that You can take notes on, um, just write all this stuff down. But like you said, date, time, location, any witnesses, um, anything that stood out about that day and the action that took place. Use Google action words if you need anything. But for the most part, nine times of 10, you know, 
if there was some verbal abuse, the person used a racial slur or a comment that you found was offensive, at least put those words in your notes. Right. So when you're trying to meet with the attorney or the EEOC investigator or intake specialist, at least we can guide you through whether or not this is sufficient enough for you to navigate a lawsuit. Exactly. That's really prevalent right there because if you can't prove the case, then we there's nothing to do here. We can't yeah. help you if you ain't giving us nothing to work <laughs> with. I mean, it's like and believe me, we want to help. Yeah. Uh, we're here to help, but but like I said, and so many people get frustrated. But I also have a lot of people say, I'm honestly tell you, I don't think it was discrimination. I really just think she didn't like me. And what the law does not protect against is personality conflicts. If you got two yeah. black women, one love to dress up, makeup, and dress really <laughs> nice, hair done, nails done all the time, you're going to have some people that just don't like her, right? She thinks she all that. <laughs> but unfortunately, there's that I can go into law, a courtroom and say, Your Honor, she thought she was all that. So <laughs> now. Right. She's being bullied. Now this is going on. She's being isolated and this and this and that. Unfortunately, it's not a law out there for that. Um, and there is no law for workplace bullying. It has to be protected to a, um, connected to a protected class, aka yeah. your race, age, sexual orientation, gender, disability, things like that. So um, that's another thing that people just don't know. They just feel like you know, I was being bullied, I was being mistreated, and so this is has to be wrong, and I have a case. Mm. Well, like I said, people have been, this act has been around since 1964. It's called the Civil Rights Act of 1964. Hey. And so with that, these corporations have been sued over and over again, so they know how to play the game. They're going to oh, put yeah. a Black supervisor over you Black people, so now when it says, I was mistreated, well, how can a Black person discriminate against a Black person? She's they do it all the time. And the people take those roles and run with it, and they know their reason for being there. We come in, I gave the position. Your first duty is to get rid of this person. Yeah. And it's only because the company want to have a defense when someone does sue and say, well, unfortunately, the decision maker to terminate you was another Black person. So there is yeah. no race discrimination. Yeah. You know, in, in my case, it was this is an at will state. We don't have to have a reason. What? Yeah. Okay, but you discriminated. You can't prove it. Oh my gosh. I had to dig. I dug up so many people that have been let go of because they did choose to or they got bought out. And I'm going, everything I went through, they went through. And mm -hmm. I got people that are hush hush because they got paid. Good money to be quiet. Yeah. And then yeah. a lot of people misunderstand the confidentiality clause of a lawsuit. The confidentiality part is that you don't go speak up against or tell the world that I settled for X amount of dollars. It doesn't prevent you from serving as a witness in someone else's case. Of course, you can't give your, you know, you waving away your rights to suit a right. future lawsuit class actions, but you're not hushed from, you know, serving as a witness. It's only you can't now go tell it on a mountaintop that I just settled for $500,000. I just settled for $50,000. Mm -hmm. Whatever situation may be, that's the only thing that the confidentiality clause is really preventing you from doing. A lot of people, that's another reason why people just don't decide to serve as witnesses because they sign an agreement, but they're misinformed. So what is the non-disparagement um, clauses and what is the confidentiality clause? Um, and so mm -hmm. that's the issue. Again, in addition to people just don't want to help out. It's like, yeah. I right. had my coach tell me, she said, you got a snitching movement on. And if you know, in our community, we don't snitch. And it's like, yeah, you until some, you need someone to, to help you out, right? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and that was really good that you cleared that information up because it's like, are you going to help? Uh, I, I'm not allowed to. No, you're not allowed to talk about your case, but you can help me with my case. That is correct. <laughs> if you served as a, you just saw, sued the same employer as your colleague, and you settled and you signed a confidentiality clause within that settlement, um, it pretty much bars you from explaining how much money you got in your case, um, facts from being now, uh, you can now go bring it in another jurisdiction. You can't do that. But it does, if you sat there and witnessed your colleague, um, brown doings and things that your right. colleague to come right. step forward for, you can do that. 
You yeah. was a witness yeah. to that, and that's a whole different case. That's a whole different set of pot of money <laughs> that yeah. they have put aside to take care of. So yeah, people can. And unfortunately, if you choose not to, you can always be subjected to a subpoena. Subpoena. Uh, yeah, and the good part is about if you participate and help out voluntarily, you can at least get prepped and get kind of educated on whether or not you want to be helpful. Because a lot of times we reach out to witnesses, what they know is not even worthwhile bringing them in. But now right. if I subpoena and spent all this money. <laughs> Yeah. Stuff in just for you to have nothing is right. not worth it yeah good point i love everything that you said very very viable and credible information that people really just don't know yeah and right now it's good for them to see i ain't gotta tolerate this foolishness i ain't Please. gotta no you ain't calling me no more names and i will not be harassed and i'm gonna speak up and and for me the speaking up meant change for somebody else mm -hmm. If you have any more, sure somebody thanked you along the yeah. way. Yeah, and and that's what it's about. Um, because even now the the company that I went through the the sexual harassment with was the female, the female, and then the other one was the race thing. And I'm like, you know, these people are just all screwed up. I will not tolerate this. <laughs> <laughs> well, kudos to you for speaking out, and that was sound like two different incidents. It's just people, like I said, they just tolerate it, like they have no choice but to tolerate yeah. it. It's um, true. But you don't have to. You really do no. not. It is so true because I remember being in Colorado and as I'm fighting this this old white guy who's telling you, you looking good and you closing the door with me in there with you and you trying to touch me and boy, you gotta get your <laughs> old silver And then when I tell EEOC I'm sitting in the room with the women and they're going, This is your fault. You're making us look bad. I'm going, What? I was crushed. I was like, oh my God, we'll transfer you to another department. I don't want nothing to do with the city at all. I'm done with you guys. You guys are all alike. How do you accept this behavior? And it was really super emotional. Like you were saying, the emotional stress that goes into these cases is bad when your own people are just turning against you. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, I'm here to help our people. And so we can have a safe work environment. They're like, well, he'll die soon. What? <laughs> It's crazy because, it, and it's not the first time I heard of that. Either they're going to die soon, they're retiring soon. Um, and the crazy part is most of these corporations, the CEO and the decision maker to hire fire these people, they didn't build a relationship with the wrongdoer. I know they're, his wife, my wife, know his, and things like that. And so it's like, if we get rid of him, how he's going to afford to take care of his family? Well, forgive my client that you wrongfully got rid of. Right. And the mental abuse that he didn't went through. And so it's crazy. It's crazy. Oh, my God. This is such a, this is a really crazy world, though. I just don't understand the mentality because we got all these strikes against us just to survive mm -hmm. in the workforce. And we're getting paid less and we're being discriminated. And we accept it because we think we have no rights and we don't have a voice. Because and we, then got, we go yeah. home and deal with our own people who don't like us because what well, we think we're better than them because we decided to, you know, <laughs> to get yeah. a nice job or whatever situation may be. So if people don't understand, it's a it's a cycle that is, it, it, that really be disrupted. It's a vicious cycle. Um, before we close out on the show, again, tell us about your July show, the webinar. Again, how to get to it and the time, and um. And then we'll close out the show with everything that you got to say about how to contact Ms. Chiquita Halls Jackson and to tune into your webinar. Thank you. To tune in for the webinar, you can go with livewithchj.com to register livewithchj.com. And then you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook under Blow the Whistle Law, Blow the Whistle Law. And if you just want to learn more about me, you can go to www.shakitahall-jackson.com. Shakitahalljackson.com. And there is a hyphen between Hall and Jackson. Thanks Amen. for having me. Yeah. Thank you, Miss Shakita Hall Jackson. <laughs> you rock, Thank girl. You. This is a great one. <laughs> <laughs> Truly appreciate you being a guest. Everybody, you tune into the Carol Jones Show on Clark TV Network. Tuesday, 6 o'clock, and we will see you next Tuesday with our next guest. Thank you, Chiquita. God bless you. Thank you. God bless you. Have a great week. Yes, ma'am. You too. Bye-bye. Take care.
Do you have prediabetes? If you do, you're not alone. One in three American adults has prediabetes, and more than 80% don't know they have it. Prediabetes is a serious medical condition that puts you at high risk for type 2 diabetes. But now, North Carolina residents with prediabetes can enroll in a free or low-cost National Diabetes Prevention Program. You can make healthy changes with support from this proven program. Get started now at joinaprogram.org.